prize. I've already got the prize. The prize is the pleasure of finding a thing out. The Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. You realize when you know how to think, it empowers you far beyond those who know only what to think. And we record. We are recording. Awesome. We're recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Griffins and Gluons. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and is staying safe during this lockdown. Today, we are joined by a fellow Griffin, Mr. Zion Maynard. Zion is a third-year biomedical engineering student with a concentration in biomechanics and is pursuing a minor in computing. He has held multiple internship positions, including research work at the Barbados Renewable Energy Association, a co-op at Inksmith, a startup focused on medical device manufacturing, and is an incoming intern at Stryker in British Columbia. He's been very active in university life, such as performing undergraduate research in biomechanics, leading the Guelph Robotics team as a VP of External Affairs, where their Mars rover concept won second place in the Canadian Rover Challenge in 2019. Currently, along with excelling in school, he has started his own podcast called Medtocracy with his colleague Aliyah Myers, where he seeks to empower future medical technology innovators and interview some of the most accomplished people in the industry. Zion Maynard, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I mean, that was a great introduction. And um, if there's one thing I could uh, clarify from that introduction, it would be um, two things. First, the, the rover for the um, for the robotics team is actually not a concept. We actually built that. And we actually um, had a, a, a design and build that went to Alberta, Drumheller, Alberta, where we um, competed with teams from all around the world as far as Poland and we actually placed second in Canada for that competition so kudos to the robotics team that's incredible yeah for sure and then the second thing would be um I do run a podcast with Aliyah she's the co-founder and it's called Metocracy and definitely definitely love that and thanks thanks for having me um I love what you guys are doing with the Griffins and Gluons and ready to dive into anything that's that's great. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. Uh, I, I mean, I, I need it because to be honest, man, you have quite an extensive resume already, despite already being in third year. So, can can you give me a bit like a like a quick rundown on your background and and why you chose the degree path you are that you're in right now? So, as as you said, I'm in biomedical engineering. The reason why I chose this is because of my lived experience with people in my life who have had their own medical devices and issues within the uh, medical field as well. So. For starters, I'm from Barbados, as you mentioned, and um, growing up, I really wanted to go into business, become an executive at a large company like McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, stuff like that, because I was surrounded by a lot of peers who were interested in business. But as I traversed my schooling life, I had a neighbor who lost his leg in a car accident and became an amputee where I saw this athletic, this athletic guy essentially go from someone who was jubilee friendly, always willing to play soccer with us to someone whose life just deteriorated because of a bad prosthesis. And then what really drove home me getting into the medical field was when my grandmother actually lost her vision due to an intraoperative um, failure of a device the surgeon was using, which unfortunately led to her losing her vision. And I was never good at like sports. I was decent at sports, always played sports wasn't the best at music or singing and I knew I was decent in school so he was like 
whatever I do, I want to have an impact on people in the medical field so they don't ever have to go through these experiences because they can really affect someone's life and family. And from there, I wanted to get into medicine. And why I chose biomedical engineering instead of medicine at the end of the day when I was picking my degree was because I thought medical school was just a bunch of like studying and memorization. And I was really interested in problem solving in math. I really fell in love with problem solving in math. So that's why I ultimately went with biomedical engineering. And I, looking back on it, I do not regret it. It's really a beautiful field to be in. Lots of opportunities. You're not pigeonholed by this degree. A degree in engineering, biomedical engineering specifically, allows you to work in many different fields. And with Medtocracy, my podcast, I, you, you touched on earlier, I've been learning so much different avenues in this field, which are even available to people in medical physics, right? And I know your podcast speaks to a physics audience. So definitely thank you for having me. But that's a little intro to me. Hope, hope I hit everything there. No, no, it's starting to hear. It's starting to sound like a bit of a, a superhero origin story. So we'll, uh, we'll 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 keep an ear out for you, man, in the coming years. Um, I, I actually that. wanted to touch. I wanted to touch on your experience uh, in Barbados with the Barbados Renewable Energy Association. Um, obviously, Barbados is a relatively small country, but it's seen you know considerable economic growth in the past few years, um, and it's starting to rank really high in human development. Sorry, in the human um, development index as well. So. I just wanted to know yeah. what kind of what kind of work did you get to 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 do, and what was your experience with the association, and what kind of what kind of steps are they starting to take to make you know renewables a, a priority for uh, for the island? You know, Elliot, that's a great question. Um, I've actually never been asked specifically about my role there. Um, so thanks thanks for asking. So at Bria, I worked as a renewable energy research assistant. And my role there was to really build out their um, their function of how they they reach out to companies in that space and help them leverage their customer analytics so that they could gain a higher market share and get more people off the grid. So their overall goal there is to, um, the overall goal of the country actually is to be reliant on renewable energy sources by 2030. So in that I was working with, I touched on many different aspects of that. So I worked with um, private sector, I worked with government officials and I worked with um, regional officials to draft solutions, draft mandates and proposals for different wind technology, solar technology. And I even worked on um, different, um, I worked, as, as well as that, I worked on the newsletter to really get engagement with their members and to drive a larger and younger audience towards renewable energy and get them to really understand what that was. So overall, it was just working towards the goal. Bria is a small company in and of itself. It's an NGO, non-government organization. So it's run like a startup. And um, it was really good to get my foot in the door at a renewable energy company and really like that. I really understand the... Um, red tape that occurs in industry and how you can work around it to get things done especially in a short period of time because even though 2030 seems far it's actually really close in terms of business and getting things like that done so really glad you asked about that one it was really life-changing experience 
No, it's a, it's a really honorable work that you did. And, and yeah, I, um, I, I heard a, an expression from an engineer once saying that everything I do happens, you know, 20, 30 years from now, but that's still relatively, you know, close. It, it takes a while to get the ball, to get the ball rolling on these, sure. you know, major changes and major disruptions. Um, no, no, that's great. Yeah. And I actually want to start talking about your, uh, your, your, your newest sort of project, uh, Metocracy. And uh, first off, I've listened to a couple of episodes so far. I got to say, it's a great podcast. Congratulations. Uh, what was your inspiration behind it? And what were you and uh, Aliyah hoping to achieve with it? I'll, I'll answer the latter part of your question first, because I think that's one, sure. one thing that I like to get out there, me and Aaliyah. Um, Metocracy is a hub or a platform that aims to connect future medtech innovators to every corner of the med tech industry, right? And when we say the med tech industry, we're talking about medical technology. So anything from catheters to transeptal access devices to artificial organs, or simply um, we don't cover much pharm pharmaceutical stuff, but that there is a branch of that as well. And our, hobby, our, our goal is to connect students to startups, large companies, mid-side companies through their professionals so they can understand what are the different areas or branches in the industry that you can work in, um, such as sales, such as marketing, such as engineering. And now let's go into engineering. What are the different types of engineering? One thing that I learned through metocracy is um, even though you're in a biomedical engineering degree, it's not too many places where you go to work that you're going to have the title of a biomedical engineer when while different for other engineering streams like civil and mechanical when you know when you graduate you get a civil engineering job you get a mechanical engineering job so through metocracy we are exposing biomedical engineers or anyone in, interested into the, uh, the med tech sector to see what right. those actual positions look like so those positions will look like research development um r d engineer r d scientists uh, process engineering um there's also uh, what, what other types of engineering process, R&D, just quality engineering, right? So just to get everyone acquainted mm -hmm. with, with what's happening, you know, in the industry so people can make better goals for the future or have a better idea of where they want to go, you know? And so far we've interviewed right. about five to six different in professionals, mainly in the U.S. and Canada, but we're looking to explore expand into the european market in 2021 as they have a very vibrant med tech industry especially in germany and um, stockholm sweden area so man it's really mm -hmm. exciting i'm glad that you listened to it and we really want to reach an audience so i know your audience is physics majors and i just want to tell them that there's a lot of opportunity for you guys in research especially in the um the med tech field from industry and the clinical setting so thanks for asking that Right. That's incredible. And, and um, is this sort of something that uh, you noticed was kind of lacking uh, within the Canadian market or just in, in general, like with, in, throughout your experience and travels? This is sort of like, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through a few co-ops, I've gone through a few dealerships, I've traveled around and I've noticed like there really isn't uh, a platform where people can really connect uh, in this sort of niche area. Um, Definitely. Did you notice that? Uh, yeah. Um, Great question. Um, yeah, I definitely did notice that. So let me tell you how I got the inspiration now. So my friend Gabriel Zanaro, he's a Italian guy who studies in the US. 
he actually runs a similar podcast called um, Now What? So he actually started it when the pandemic started uh, in March. He started Now What? Because it was like, okay, all our jobs were canceled. Now what? <laughs> so basically from that, he interviewed people in big tech and his aim was like, what are the opportunities in big tech and how can people get them, especially during this pandemic time? I was like, whoa, that's really good. I love the content, but there was nothing for people in med tech. I was like, so med tech is left out. So that's one thing. Now let's take the second aspect of why I got into this. When you Google med tech companies, especially in Canada, you want to get the large players. So you get your strikers, you get your Medtronics, you get your Siemens Health and Ears, you get your Johnson and Johnsons, but you don't get your smaller companies like a Bayless or like an IntelliJoint or Conavi, right? So then how do you find those, those companies, right? You search really deeply <laughs> or you go to networking events if your school <laughs> offers them, right? And what, we, what we're trying to do is bridge that SEO on Google, right? Because, you know, those small companies don't have the best search engine optimization. And um, we just want to make sure that you can have, you can figure out or know about companies in all, at each level, doing whatever you want to do. So our plan is for the future, when we launch our website really soon, we're going to have like a map where um, you type in like med tech companies near me and it brings out all the closest med tech companies to you. Right. And that's going to be completely free open source. That's actually like a side project for me and Aaliyah to get that going. And um, honestly, man, right. med is really just to bridge that gap because man, like it's so hard to figure out what you want to do in biomedical engineering. It's really a loose degree. And then there are not many biomedical right. engineering positions, right. When you graduate. Right. So it was just to fill right. this gap. And so far I think we're, we're inching towards that goal, but we still got a long way to go and we got our work cut out for us. But 2021 is going to be a year full of opportunities. So I'm really excited. Of course. Yeah. That's uh, that's quite the disruption that you're, that you're making in this, in this industry. And of course you're just getting started, but you know, so far you've already interviewed some big names in the industry, such as um, Elon uh, Halais, who's I, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm that's not uh, of striker. And uh, Justin Krulicki of IntelliJoint Surgical, like you had mentioned before, and, you know, like you said, you're just getting started. So I need to ask, you know, you're already, you're not as big as you could be, you're just starting out, but you've already, you know, you've already been able to talk to some of these major players, you know, what is your networking strategy then to getting in contact and, and getting noticed by the, you know, by these, um, by these professionals and what advice could you give our listeners to, you know, get their name out into their industries? Definitely. Great question. Um, simply one word. <laughs> I don't know if it's in a dictionary, but it's called LinkedIn. <laughs> Make a LinkedIn. It should these be. These are your steps. It should be at this point, but um, these are your steps. Make a LinkedIn. Get a good headshot. If you're in the Guelph area, um, there's a girl who does headshots for 5 or $10. Really good headshots for 5 to $10. And she's a UOG student. I could um, pass on your, the link for her. Uh, Instagram page after this call maybe you could add it to the show notes but um yeah, get a sure. good headshot set your bio up in your bio you want to tell a story tell a story about your life or where you're headed briefly mention what you've worked on and give a call to action feel free to connect with me or feel free to shoot me a email at email so 
once you have that done, you want to fill out all your relevant job posts, your relevant um, job information that you've done and fill them out in a way that targets the positions you're looking for, right? So if you were a camp counselor in, I guess, 10th grade, and then you had many different jobs up to then, but you did a little research volunteering, you did um, an actual research with a prof, I would place those re- that volunteer position, even though it's a volunteer position in the work experience, and then I'd place m- your other work experiences there and maybe cut off some of the old stuff from back in the day, right? So you want to have a nice little yeah. profile that speaks about everything that you've done. Always try to mm-hmm. tell a story. People love stories. Stories are engaging, right? And then once you have your LinkedIn profile picked out, identify the companies, right? So you go to like a like a Medtocracy shameless plug, or you go to like different um, what's another good one? Um, go to like a now what? You go to different um, resources where you can see companies that you want to work for. Search them up on LinkedIn. Go to people, and then use those filters to your advantage. Those filters on LinkedIn are really strong. So you can literally type in, uh, say you wanted to work at Google, you could type in Google. And you say you wanted to meet someone at Google that studied medical physics or physics, Google medical physics. And then you just press enter and it gives you a list of all that. This search engine on LinkedIn is really powerful. In terms of reaching out to people, I'd always recommend sending a personalized invite. Never just send a normal connection request. Always send a personalized invite. Say, hey, I am jack and this is why i want to connect with you and some there's some really good networking tips i can give you is like just find a commonality so elliot if i if you're say you want to get into a company like um, a johnson and johnson and you see a guy who's working in a position you want to be in the future his name is elliot he was like you can be like hey hey elliot i'm a, i'm also an elliot <laughs> love you love the name <laughs> would love to connect and chat about your position at Google, right? You get, once you secure that 50 minute call, yeah, that's fair. prepare, prepare, prepare. Once you prepare, ask questions that you really wanna know, right? Ask questions about the person mm-hmm. that's like, what do you do on a daily basis outside of work, right? What drives you, your motives? And really start to build that relationship as organically as possible. And look at it as something mutually beneficial, right? Even though you may just be a mm-hmm. student, it might not seem as if you can really benefit that person, but no, it's, it's not, it's not that at all. In most cases, from my experiences, people in the professional area, they love to meet new talent that's still in university because it gives them a, a, a feeling of inner fulfillment to pass on that knowledge that they've, they've already gotten. Right. And then who, who you are helping today could help you in the future, right? So you never know how the tides could change. So definitely reach out to have a good LinkedIn profile, reach out to someone using a personalized invite and ask for a 50 minute Zoom call, coffee chat virtually. And yeah, I, that, that would be my recommendation yeah. for yeah. networking, especially in this virtual space. No, no, okay. for sure. Sorry? And and it's great that there are Oh, sorry. Oh, continue. We're good. No, oh no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't sure if you're <laughs> continuing. No, no, I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say, no, uh, it's great that there already is a a virtual, you know, job fair 
available for us, you know, ready and available for us for this pandemic in LinkedIn. And unfortunately, LinkedIn gets kind of swept under the rug in terms of the, the main social platforms. But I was going to ask, do you think that keeping up a professional uh, like Instagram and Facebook, um, keeping a very, you know, you know well-maintained, non-incriminating social media will also, you know, be a good supplement to having a good LinkedIn? Well, if you're doing criminal activity, <laughs> I think you should oh, no, just no, be no. off. That's, the not, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I know. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I, I mean but, sort of lewd photos and uh, plenty uh, of, you know. Uh, uh, in terms of Instagram, definitely, definitely. I got you a follow. Um, in terms of Instagram, Facebook, I, in terms of professional stuff, Facebook is only for celebrities. I would not use Facebook at all. Um, for me personally, I use Facebook to update family on stuff like for family that I right. don't like have their, I don't necessarily have their contacts or stuff. I'd be like, Hey, I just had this job. Mm-hmm. I was just featured in this article. Um, here I'm moving to BC in a couple of weeks, like stuff like that. Um, for Instagram, you can definitely have a professional Instagram. Lots of people do. I don't, I just have a personal one. And uh, I mean, I just put pictures of me and my friends and nothing really work related, but sometimes I do post my podcast here to promote it just because I know there's a big end to that. But um, it really depends like on what you're trying to do, you know, read the room, right? If a right. lot of people in your industry are, in, are on Instagram, definitely. If a lot of people are in your industry are on Twitter, Twitter is actually really popular for um, um, intellectuals in industry. I would definitely create Twitter, mm-hmm. but I'd say LinkedIn is number one right now followed by like a github a github be great if you're looking to go into software informatics stuff like that definitely get into um a github to show off your your nice code and repositories but linkedin is great because um i've been following some expert in the um digital marketing space and they say linkedin is like facebook in 2008 in terms of the organic growth you can get from a post right so you can put out a post right now with the correct keywords and you can have 20 connections on LinkedIn and 50 people will see that post that don't even know you in one hour right it's right. crazy I mean I can even give um no, and after I read this I thought to myself well let me leverage this right because at the end of the day I have a podcast and I need to market it to get it to the right people right get it to the right audience so um, I don't mean to my own harm here, but like I got a, I was lucky enough to be accepted to Striker for an internship, and um, I wanted to leverage the traffic that Striker has on LinkedIn because they have about eight hundred thousand followers and they have a really active social media. So what I did to leverage that was I made a post and to really update my my network on my next move first of all, and then also say that. I'm thankful for Metocracy for giving me this opportunity to learn every part of the industry so that I could have this opportunity, right? And that yeah. post got about 8,000 views in, I think, two and a half weeks, right? Or probably less. Wow. And it was at, it was sitting at about four, no, it was sitting about 3,500. Then Striker commented on it and liked it. And then it just went a different space. So, like, just, I'm saying that That's to insane. show that. LinkedIn has like a lot of exposure and a lot of the influencers on LinkedIn would say, if you want to get into a specific market and have 
recruiters recruit you. This is something that they call um, reactive, uh, what's, it, what's the right word? It's reactive, Re reactive recruitment. No, passive, I think, I think it's passive. It might be passive. Where you, yeah, it might be passive, passive job search where you um, basically have recruiters come to you, right? Instead of you applying mm -hmm. for a job. So that's something you can do through LinkedIn uh, and really leverage those skills and leverage that, leverage the um, traffic that you can really get from just, you know, putting con content out there. And you can put content out there to put yourself out there, right? I know you asked, that was part of your right. question. How you put yourself up there, create a portfolio, 110%, you have to create a portfolio to display your work. You don't have to have a website. I have a portfolio and it's literally a PDF I made on Canva. And that has been really good for me to just display the work I've done in the past and what I'm currently working on. So create a, a, a portfolio and um, put it on your LinkedIn featured section so people can easily click on it. Another thing you can do if you're in the, uh, I know your audience is physics and you guys are really into like research opportunities you've probably had through like working with professors at the UOG. Definitely publish those um, papers that you've worked on or studies that you've worked on and say, this is what you did and this is what you learned from it. And you actually start to get some traffic. So there's that and yeah, yeah. LinkedIn, that's the that's solution. No, that's, yeah. That's that's a very smart strategy. I'll uh, yeah, I'll definitely uh, apply that to my own field, and, and I'm sure others will, will find that very useful as well. So that's good on you. It's very smart of you. Um, I want to actually ask uh, a, a bit about the impact of you know coronavirus on on the med tech industry. Uh, you know, obviously, we've seen you know several industries take a big hit or you know have a big paradigm shift. You know, the airline industry was completely derailed and, you know, the virus has put a lot of pressure on pathology and healthcare. And um, I just wanted to know, you know, how, how has the medical techno technology industry responded? I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the demand for ventilators and respirators has, has gone up as, as well as, you know, determining, you know, heat signatures and so on. But are, what are the other changes that you've that you've noticed? And, and, and what are the some what are some of the other things that you know, other med tech professionals and students, you know, such as yourself, um, are going to have to to adjust to. Definitely, thanks for asking that. So, um, even though med tech companies, their function and their aim, their mission, their vision is to save a patient's life or make life better for someone who's going through an ailment, these are businesses, right? So, at the end of the day, you have to make money and you have to stay afloat especially if you want to live out that vision mission for the company, right? So many companies shifted towards making PPE, personal protective equipment. And uh, like, uh, right. so that'd be like face mask, um, ventilators, not my ventilators, sorry, my bad, face shields, face masks mainly, and gowns. So um, I know in, here in Canada, Bayless, they shifted to um, ventilators. So they used their manufacturing facility in Mississauga to create about 10,000 ventilators. I think they just hit that about three wow. weeks ago, that mark six months, six months, six month project on making a um, ventilator. It was like the VC368. I can't remember if that was the exact model. So don't quote me on that, but it was based off a of Medtronic, a Medtronic design, if I'm yeah, I think it was based off of Medtronic design. And um, then we had other companies not in the med tech space, like Inksmith, a company I worked at this summer. 
shifting out of edutech, so educational technology, into like medical device space to create PPE. They may be made about millions of face masks, about 10 million face shields in about three, four months. It was it was hectic, man. Like I'm telling you, like a lot of companies shifted into that space just to pump out those masks to to get them to the uh, right. frontline workers and also stay afloat during these times. Um, another interesting thing that came out of this, um, a lot of innovation, definitely a lot of innovation. So telemedicine has definitely skyrocketed. So um, before you had a situation where sales reps, so just to, for context, when a product is a medical product from any of these companies is being used in a surgical setting intraoperatively in the OR operating room, um, it's never an engineer that's there with the surgeons, right? I know many people think it's probably the person who developed the product that's there working with the surgeons. No, it's usually a sales rep or an on-site specialist. And these persons aren't mm -hmm. necessarily, I would not say they're technically inept, but they're not the, the people who design these devices. These are people that market these devices and know how they function really well. They really know how they function. Yeah. But with COVID now, they're not as they're they're not as adept to the people who designed them. So miscommunication yes. could be a factor, yeah, right? Exactly, and especially with COVID now, it's a bit it's it's challenging to have them in the OR while operating, right? So one thing that's come out right. of this is augmented reality, using AR to to train these, to train for these um, sales rep and on-site specialists to train surgeons on how to use devices in the OR virtually, right? So that's, that's... one thing. So you could have, um, yeah, it's been crazy. Man. I've seen Strike actually look to implement this where you have an on-site specialist outside of the OR literally telling the, the um, explaining to the surgeon how this device works and how it's to be used while they're in completely right. different rooms, right? And that presents a huge learning curve now because they're not if physical in person is way better for situations. So there's been a lot of innovation to come right. out of, of this um corona thing. But um I'm really impressed with what a lot of companies are doing in terms of the innovation that's coming out, even in the medical PPE sector. Like you have like different filters for um different low cost filters coming out of this that people like you and me could afford to buy a mask that can have uh filtration efficacy of up to 96 and above and not even be an N95, you know? So it's been a lot of in, nice. um, innovation. Um, I want to speak quickly to what Apple did that even though Apple is not a med company, they do have a really robust medical um, development team. And they had a group of mm -hmm. engineers, I think it was some that designed the Apple Watch and some that also worked on um, iPhones as well, the hardware. They actually designed an Apple mask, which all Apple pop, that prevents fogging of glasses when you um, have your mask on. Right. I think that was really good redesign, a really simple redesign that was really well implemented by a company like that. So I'm just really happy about the innovation that's come out of the field. And then obviously on MedTech, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, it's been the vaccine, right? So you have companies like Moderna and mm -hmm. Pfizer who just got their vaccines approved. So in a really short span of time, right? I mean, getting a vaccine developed in what, six, seven, eight months is incredible. 
that is incredible. And I can yeah. see why people are on the fence about taking it, but I'm not here to put a stance on, on whether that's right or not. But um, I think that's incredible, just how we could crunch out a vaccine that quickly. And just for context, like, mm-hmm. we don't have vaccines for things like um, Ebola yet, right? Like, vaccines are things that take, like, yeah. three, five years to develop. So I'm just happy about the level of innovation and productivity that's coming out of this time despite everything being so derailed you know as you said no no for sure and 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 talking to your point earlier about connecting industries uh, especially through your podcast you know who, who would have thought that augmented reality would play a part in you know ensuring you know uh, quality control and quality engineering for a product and and that'll open up so many new doors and, and so many other you know aspects as well so, so that is quite that is quite incredible. But I wanted to ask, you know, we talk a lot about these you know, incredible innovations, but is there any fear that um, I don't want to say phony, but, you know, because there's such a such a rush and such pressure that someone could come out with faulty medical devices and kind of push that into uh, in, into the, you know, into the not the workflow, but but into other, you know, um, medical settings and potentially harm people. <laughs> so this this is a very layered question and um i'm gonna try to take yeah. this on from a a good uh angle that doesn't i, I won't mention any companies here but um the medical device no, no, industry no, of is not. heavily regulated right so you have the fda you have health canada right. you have a lot of regulated bodies that a lot of medical devices mm-hmm. actually don't get approved because it's so regulated right because a lot of these devices are really invasive right so the chance of a medical product harming someone in theory is really small right it's really small chances of device would actually harm someone but um one of the things that came out of this pandemic just to tie this in with the uh, earlier pandemic question was that we had ventilators and um we actually have ventilators harming people in many cases so there's a stat i saw in the u.s where 70 percent of the patients who were hooked up to a ventilator in New York that actually died. That was because when you get hooked up to a ventilator, suffer from this thing called viral trauma, which is basically pressure, uh, like having in simple terms to have like basically an unbalanced pressure in your lungs, right? Because a ventilator works opposite right. to how your lungs work in terms of vent- the mechanics of ventilation. So that is one thing that came out of using ventilators is that they can actually harm you when your body has to rely on them and your body can't. And after the, when the doctors try to take you off of the ventilator, your body actually can't kick back in because of that barrel trauma, which actually destroys the alveoli in the um, lungs. Right. I'd say in, during the pandemic and all these rush deadlines to get um, manufa- to manufacture products like ventilators, careful, really careful um, attention has to be paid to how your ventilator is distributing pressure to a patient's lungs. So, I mean, there's been many instances where the, the uh, viral trauma has occurred in patients. And I'm, I mean, I don't have all the stats on it, but I, I can definitely speak to your question and say that that has happened. Like there's been faulty, I wouldn't say it was a faulty device, actually. I'd say it was um, a oversight on the engineering team's part. 
And most of those ventilators actually came from companies who historically weren't working on um, ventilators. Those were mainly manufacturers who shifted to the medical device space to create ventilators, but right. didn't actually have like a working ventilator from back in the day. So like companies like Medtronic, which actually had ventilators, their ventilators have been doing wonders and actually working really well in the field. So, but to speak to your point, a right. biomedical device, just to sum that up, a biomedical device usually never gets approved. Those things are heavily regulated, but then they can, but unsuspected errors do occur. Because at the end, human error is always a thing. And you can plan as much as you want, but nothing ever goes according to plan. So that, that's how I set right. that up. Well, great question, though. No, no. And, and it's reassuring uh, to, to know how regulated it is. But I, I guess the, uh, the major missteps have been more you know, faulty practice rather than faulty engineering, uh, so to say. Um, but... Um, but yeah, no, it's really reassuring to uh, you know to know that there there are these systems in place. And um, so I actually want to segue. Uh, we're, we're approaching time. I want to kind of segue into some of your future plans. Uh, I'm I'm quite glad that I got to talk to you now because from what I understand, you're departing for British Columbia uh, soon for a co-op that you have with Striker. Oh yeah. Um, first off, congratulations. That's a huge Thank achievement. Um, and and. Striker is obviously a, a big name in the game for sure. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the company and what kind of work you'll be performing there? Definitely. So Striker, what I love about Striker is that um, Striker's aim is to work together to make healthcare better, right? I mean, I've butchered this statement, but that's that's what I get from it. And that's what it means to me, just working together with people from all walks of life and all different cultural backgrounds to make healthcare better, right? And that's my, that lines up with my passion for this industry that we spoke about in the introduction. And um, Striker, uh, another thing about Striker that I really like is that in 2019, they spent almost a billion dollars in research and development in this USD. And I'm a big guy on innovation. So working at a company that's continually trying to innovate, continue, try, continually trying to do what has not been done yet is something that motivates me. You know, every day I want it to be different. Every day I want to be leading an innovation. I want to, when I wake up in the morning, I want to be happy to go to work. And even though it's, I don't want to consider it work at this point. I just want to consider it working on devices that are going to help people. Right. So just a little history about Striker. Um, Striker started in about, I think 1984. It was actually built by um, Mr. Strike, Dr. Striker at the time. So a doctor guy, he actually had a hard time getting medical medical devices and medical products to use in surgeries because he had to import them from France at the time. So he was like, why don't we just create our own devices here in America? And he and his son, who I think was an engineer at that time, they just started building up, building those devices. And as time went on, it was really successful and they actually became a really nice sustainable company and then from there on to expand their product portfolio striker has acquired many other companies like k2m and novadoc so novadoc is a canadian startup that was actually acquired by striker in 2017 for about i think 700 million dollars us so somewhere in that ballpark it's almost a billion dollars as well and then um wow. They actually have locations in Mississauga 
and British Columbia. So I'm going to work at that branch of the striker um, portfolio. So at Striker Novadat, we work on um, surgical visualization technologies. And um, our, I guess the most popular product or well-known product that they have out is the uh, SpyFi technology, which is basically a camera optical solution that allows surgeons to see perfusion, so blood flow in arteries and veins during surgeries after um, cyanide is injected into the patient. So this allows a, a surgeon to make better decisions during surgery. It's a fantastic device. And at Striker, I'll be working on the lines of that product or other things, but I can't share too much because of obviously NDAs. But um, I'm really happy to work at a company that has such a focus on innovation and just making this industry and not even this industry, let me say boldly, making healthcare better while working together. So that's, that's I'm really excited for that. Thank you for your congratulations as well. No, and, and congratulations again. Your your enthusiasm leads me to believe that, you know, uh, they, they really hired on, uh, you know, they had a good hire for this one. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure uh, they'll appreciate your work and I'm sure you'll be, uh, so, you'll do very well there. So congrats again. But uh, I, I need to ask before we go, um, as we discussed with Metocracy, it's just getting started, but I, I need to ask a quick hypothetical. If you could interview anyone uh, of your choice and, you know, it, no matter if, if they're within reach as a connection or not, or alive or dead for that matter, if you could interview anybody and ask them, you know, about anything, who, who would that be and why? Mm, that's, well, I never had that question before. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. If I could interview anyone in life. So you mean from any sector of life, it doesn't have to be like a professional or it could be like my, um, it could be like my coach who died like five years ago, anything like that. Correct. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, sure. And I won't, I won't restrict it well, to just med professionals. Definitely. I, I honestly, I'll, I'll go with a professional. I'll go with a professional. I mean, I, I know, like, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk for sure. Um, okay. But um, I think I definitely want to interview um, Kevin Lobo. So that's the CEO of Striker, actually. I'd definitely love to uh, okay. interview him because he's had decades experience in this industry and his like his insight into this industry is amazing and his like the way he picks out companies for strikers acquisitions are I mean amazing. He's just an amazing leader. He is all encompassing of all the great leadership qualities. So just to get tips from him, even if it's a five minute interview, would be amazing. And then to talk right. about the level of medical innovation and see what he think is the actual viable path and next steps in the industry, right? So like for a physics major, mm -hmm. what kind of, if say I, hypothetically I was in a physics major, Kevin Lobo, where can I work as a physics major in this med tech space, right? And then he would say is probably potentially you could work as a research scientist, R&D scientist, a clinical technician, or boldfacedly a medical physicist right and then there are also things in from a clinical standpoint you can mention like a dosimetrist image and signal analysis and analyst or like 
a medical informatician, I think informatician, yeah, the people that do the medical informatics. So just talking to him, even if, but I'm an engineering major, it would just be crazy because I mean, you would learn absolutely everything about how a medical company functions. He's been restricted through the ups and the down and it would be amazing to get even five minutes of this guy's time, honestly. Thanks for asking that though, for sure. Right. Well, you know, it, it's it's it, it's out there in the universe, Mr. Kevin Lobel. If you're listening, you're probably not. But I mean, uh, you, you, I'm sure you'll have no problems making connections in Striker. And and hey, maybe he'll. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll get a, a hear word of your podcast and and see what can happen. So good luck with that. And and um, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll keep uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep uh, keep tabs on on what you're up to. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think we're approaching time. Um, Zion, this has been an excellent conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you let our listeners know, you know where they can read more about you? Before, before we go, though, I just want to speak quickly to your medical physics audience, right? I know we didn't touch much Absolutely. on that. Absolutely, go ahead. But um, mm-hmm. for people in medical physics especially, med tech is literally for you. Like, I'm talking about from like the largest players from a medical physics standpoint would be like a variant. So if you're looking to get into medical physics in the private sector, look at variant. They actually just, um, I'm not sure. I think it's a joint venture. I'm not sure if it's an acquisition, but with Siemens Health Engineers, there's also Electa, which is a Swedish company. These companies have the uh, biggest medical physics departments in a med tech standpoint from a on, from oncology and a radiology standpoint. So making MRI, MRIs, Pet, scan, pet scanners, CT scanners, and stuff like that. So they, their um, R&D teams, their directors are actually led by medical physicists, right? So right. in a med tech standpoint, I know like from my podcast, you hear a lot about engineers and stuff like that, but physicists, medical physicists are actually leading the charge for oncology and fighting like cancer and radiology to make better scanners and better um imaging technologies so definitely be open to thinking about that and if you don't want to work at a private company you can work at companies like sorry hospitals in private in the public sector like in especially in canada like mount sinai and like st michael's hospital and all the different hospitals because they have they need like image and signal analysis analysts they need medical informaticians and they also need dosimetrists and dosimetrists is basically like a person who like makes determines what level of of this radiation exposure is safe enough for someone who has to get like a, a scan or whatever so definitely be open to the med tech field and i would encourage you to even reach out to me on like we could definitely chat on, on linkedin and even talk about potential companies that you like electa as i said electa varian those are the two biggest so definitely look into that and um what, what was the other part of your question at the end there no no i was gonna ask where uh, where we can you know where we can connect to you where can yeah. we uh where can we you know reach out to you and and read more about uh, your posts obviously you have your linkedin but uh yeah definitely great question um linkedin zion maynard z-i-o-n M-A-Y-N-A-R-D. Just hit me up on LinkedIn and we can definitely definitely stay tuned with me and also follow Medtocracy on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So that's at Medtocracy. So M-E-D-T-A-L-K 
C-R-A-C-Y. Yeah. Metocracy, LinkedIn, and um, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you consume podcasts. We're literally there. We're going into YouTube soon, so definitely stay tuned. And um, yeah, definitely engage nice. with our posts. We always reply to everyone who engage with our posts. If you want any sort of, if you want particular guests on our podcast, type it, send us it. We also have a Google Docs sheet where you can ask questions because we have a Q&A section in our podcast where we ask the professionals your questions, right? So our, at the end of the day, Medtocracy is here to serve people who want to get into the med tech industry, right? And definitely right. reach out. Don't be a stranger. I reply within oh. an hour. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. And uh, and 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 thank you for uh, speaking to our medical and and biomedical physicists for sure. I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll take that information very well. And and yeah, so yeah, uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Happy holidays. Uh, have a safe flight again, and 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 good luck in the new year with your uh, with your with your internship. All the best. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. And I just want to leave everyone with some good words like please understand that this year has been tough for everyone i'd like everyone to just mm -hmm. sit down reflect on this year reflect on where you want to go in in life and start making those goals for the um for the new year and actually make a devout commitment to actually working towards those goals always remember the process is way more important than the destination you know so focus on process focus right. on what steps you need to be doing today, what steps you need to be doing tomorrow in order to get to that goal that you have. And honestly, please be patient. You know, Rome wasn't built in a night. I know that's a cliche, but just be patient, man. It's going to work out <laughs> in the end. And thank you so much for having me, Elliot. This is, this is amazing, man. And I can't wait to see all the great things you do as well. So, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate cool. it. Yeah, no, fall, fall, fall in love with the process, like you say. And, and yeah, th thanks again. Great things for, uh, great things will definitely be coming in the future. But, uh, but yeah, everyone check out Metocracy. Uh, check out Zion's uh, LinkedIn. And, and yeah, keep, keep an ear out because uh, some big things are happening with them. So thanks again. Take care. All the best and, and stay safe.